Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. So a couple of weeks ago, um, we were given testimonies over on Bethany Drive. You remember that Sunday? And someone gave a testimony about coming through a difficult time. I don't even remember what the testimony was. But I remember I went to this scripture while they were talking. I, I, I Googled, Googled this word in the scripture, and it's Proverbs 17.3. And it says, the crucible is for silver, and the furnace is for gold, and the Lord tests hearts. The crucible. The title of my sermon tonight is The Crucible. It's a long pause for someone who's got to leave quickly. Um, so, uh, so this is going to be part of our red letter series, but uh, so I started in the book of Proverbs. There is no red letter uh, to speak of in the book of Proverbs, but all scripture points to Jesus, right? So even before I get to my red letter text, I'm going to talk a little bit about David first. David, we know that when he went out to face Goliath, that he, uh, they tried on Saul's armor, and it just, it didn't, he couldn't function in it. And so he took it off, and he went, and the Bible tells us he gathered five stones by the brook. Remember that story, that part of the story? Some people think that he got five stones because Goliath had four brothers. I don't know how true that is. I haven't researched it. I like the sound of it. But uh, I want to talk about the stones that we carry. David had already been through some experiences, the stones that he carried in his pouch. He was on the backside of the desert, and there was a lion that came to attack the flock. In little ruddy David, something came on him, and he went after this lion. And he killed the lion. I don't know if he did it with the stone, but for the sake of this story, I would say that he had some experiences that made him know with confidence that he could go to the brook and gather stones when he had to face Goliath. He had already been in this place before. He didn't have that kind of accuracy without some kind of experience, without some kind of practice. So the lion came. I, I, something came. So here's, the, here's what I think happened. David also, in this time of loneliness, developed an intimacy with God. And the intimacy led him into writing these songs to the Lord. And we have so much 
of the whole book of Psalms from the life of David, from different seasons of his life. But a lot of it in a place of loneliness, he writes these songs. And then another time he finds a bear coming after one of the sheep that he's assigned to protect. And so he goes for this stone in his pouch and he eliminates the bear. And so he had this experience with the lion and the bear. So when this Philistine is taunting the armies of God, just like something came on him to go after the lion, something came upon him to cause him to go after this giant. So he strikes him in the head with the stone and then Immediately, he goes running after. He falls to the ground. There's a big thud. And he goes running towards him without a weapon. And he takes his own sword and cuts his head off. How about that? Carson likes those stories with swords and fights. And then here he is, this young man. He picks up the head. I can imagine it's a pretty big head. Can you see him trying to hold this sword and this big head, bringing it to the king? So I want to talk to you about the stones that I carry in my pouch. There are specific things that I see as one of my precious stones that enable me to do warfare. To, to, I'll share some of them with you. One of, one of the stones that I carry is I have this attitude of uh, what is best for the church. It's how I live my life. This is not about me. It's about something much bigger than me. And it's called the church. And I live for it because it's the heart of God, that he will have a church. It's how he functions in the earth. It's how God functions in the earth. There must be a church. One of the stones that I carry is I lean into the sovereignty of God. I always want to be quick to learn, slow to change. And this is the biggie. I honor brokenness in the heart and in the spirit. And I try to always identify unbroken areas in my life. Psalm 51 verse 17 says, again, we're not in red letters yet, but we will. Psalm 51 17 says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken 
and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. This is a very important stone because humility comes out of brokenness. Pride comes out of unbrokenness. The level of how God uses you depends on the depth of your brokenness. Because there's a difference in ordinary and extraordinary leaders. Is it knowledge? No. Talent? No. Is it your connections? No. Education matters, but does it but it does not make you. It will enlarge the man in your mind, but not in your spirit. What makes a great leader is crucibles. What you go through. Melting. Crucible means agony, anguish, calamity, cross, difficulty. Stress, tests, 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 and more tests. Tribulation, these are all Bible words. But what we, we, we really don't pray prayers of crucibles. We pray the prayers of success. A crucible is a place or a time or a situation. A severe test that somehow captures you and changes you. It comes at a certain place and a certain time. And your life message comes out of your crucible. So give me Matthew 16, starting with verse 24. Here we go with the red letters. This is the biggie. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. When he spoke to the people in that day, they knew what that meant. A cross wasn't something they carried around on a necklace to commemorate something special. That that wasn't even considered. They knew when Jesus said, take up your cross. Just like he, uh, let me keep going. Uh, Take up your cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. 
For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Crucibles. For most church people, crucibles are church hurt. And I'll, I'll just say it like this. Um, mean preachers are unbroken leaders. Haven't we all encountered a mean preacher? But here's the issue. Here's the issue. Some of us have church hurts, and we don't know how to embrace the brokenness. And so, therefore, we try to run from it. It jades us, and what it ends up doing is it makes you a magnet to other mean preachers. And you're hurt so bad that anything negative that happens, you automatically, it's a trigger for you, and you can't receive any preacher. <laughs> what is your crucible? I wonder if you can identify it. I wonder if you know what your crucible is. I know what some of mine have been, but I've discovered the secret to the strength of my crucible is not naming names. I could name names. I could paint an accurate picture of the people that hurt me and cause you to have such sympathy for me and such judgment for the person that caused the pain. Let's, let's talk about David again. David, after his great victory, suddenly found himself with a lot of attention. And Saul became jealous of David's victories, and they would chant and sing in the streets, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And then David would come and play his harp. They would call for him because the, the king is in a foul mood, a mean preacher. And David would start playing, but sometimes it got the best of the king, and he would throw a dagger, and David would have to dodge and run. And eventually he had to flee. And then Saul pursued him for days and days. 
And there were occasions where David's hiding in a cave. Saul slips away from his army and goes into this cave to use the restroom. This is the story. David is close enough to cut a piece of cloth from his garment. And I can't imagine going to a urinal in the bathroom and someone getting close enough. (laughs) The cave was dark, Nicole said. And his men said, this is your moment. Seize him. Take his life. And David understood something. I don't know if he understood it or if it was just intuitive. But he said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. Doesn't matter how mean he became. How far He walked away from obeying the voice of God. David refused to touch him. And when he finally lost his life, the man that brought the news to David thought he was bringing him good news, and David had him killed for his lack of respect for the mean preacher. And you think you can carry a grudge for the man that hurt you. Or dare I say, for the president that didn't function the way to your satisfaction. That you could develop such anger and become swept up into the culture of disrespect for a mean preacher and feel justified for feeling the way you feel. He's entered into politics. I'm telling you, David was a man that was special to God. And it had to do with his stone of brokenness that he carried around. What is your crucible? I'm I'm honest with you. I, I can tell you that I've had my own personal crucibles. And I learned when I was about... Uh, I want to say it was about 20. I heard a preacher preach from this passage of Scripture, and I didn't fully understand it, but something in the context registered with me. The the word is, Jesus said, whoever falls on the rock will be broken. But whoever the rock falls on will be crushed to pieces. And the message was, you can try to escape your brokenness, or you can embrace it and allow God to shape something in you. 
God will bring Saul's into your life because he wants to shape a David in you. That means you can't get on social media and get swept into condemning the current worship leaders for not living for God and decide you're going to get on there and spout off all kind of judgment. I'm friends with a lot of those worship leaders, but I've learned that I just send them a text message personally and say, look, and I did this with some, with some worship leaders. I, I said, look, there's, and I gave them the scripture when Samson shook himself and did not know that the presence of God had left him. And I appealed to them, please, please, please turn your heart. I risk relationship with you by reaching out. It's dangerous when success comes before you're broken. Because one way or another, you're going to be broken. Because you, <laughs> I'll say it like this, God is into death. He can never use you until you die to yourself. Until you become a broken vessel. Then he can fill you up because his intention is that you go out from the house of the Lord and leak Jesus everywhere you go because you're broken. furnace is for gold and God tests the heart and, and it, it, is, it becomes a transformative experience sometimes we can't buy into what we should be because we can't see who we really are but an experience that you go through a testing that will change everything about you, a disaster, a loss, a huge disappointment. Your character will be revealed in the crucible. Revelation of who you are, whether you like it or not, a private flaw. God will give you a chance to change it. Testing. Don't live your life with broken relationships. That means a lot to me. Because I have friends 
who hurt me, but I'm not even sure they know they hurt me. And you get to this place where I never will let them get close enough to do that again. Then a few years go by and you start getting text messages. You're like, I don't want to meet you for coffee. But the stone of brokenness that I've decided to keep in my pouch means, okay, I'm going to fall on the rock. I'm going to be broken. I want you to know that the stone of worship is not about the song or the performance. It's about the brokenness. If your worship isn't filled with brokenness, then it's really performance. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. You're never nearer to his heart than when, when you're at a season of brokenness. And you, my, my encouragement is um, don't blame. See, the truth is, I'm a preacher. And Perhaps some of you have been hurt by preachers before, and you get in doing life with me, and something happens, and I didn't measure up to your expectation of what I should do or what I should be. And then you decide, oh, he's just like. But we don't name names. Nicole and I have had experiences together. I can't even, Nicole's personal crucibles that crushed her, but created this worshiper. That breaks the heavens open, that opens the door for eternity to come in the room. See, there's this, uh, this lyric that I wrote uh, that goes like this. Heaven smiles upon your broken worship. Pour it out. Pour it out. Jesus knows just how much it cost you. Pour it out. Pour it out. He is near. Always near. He is near to the brokenhearted. This is my stone. I just carry it with me all the time. He is here. Always here, pour it out, pour it out. If it's fear that's keeping you from 
trusting. Pour it out. Pour it out. If it's pride that's keeping you from breaking, pour it out. Pour it out. In context, you write a lyric and it resonates and people sing it. But in context, you realize there's a lot I could tell you to support that lyric. I could name all the names. But most of those names were people anointed by God. Now, I, you know what? I'm not suggesting that God wants you to hurt. He just wants you to die. What is your personal crucible? Does it have a name? For God's sake, don't tell me what it is. <laughs> what about Jacob's crucible? God touched his hip and he never walked the same again. Brokenness will cause you to walk differently. When you limp, it reminds you of prophetic promises. So go ahead and limp. Cry the tears and love. Keep your mouth shut. The Gideon crucible Gideon's an example of a man who received success before he was broken. He had a great victory with his 300 men. But then, after his great victory, he led the people of Israel into idolatry. The principle works. It doesn't matter if it was 3,000 years ago or yesterday. In Acts, the first chapter, the eighth verse, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. One translation says, you will be my martyrs. I don't want to be a martyr. And that is the problem with the church. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.